0: Good morning, everybody. My name is Daryl. 1994 to 2000, 2001, something like that. I worked with the youth here at the church and had the horrifying <laughs> knowledge that one of them turned 40 this month, my goodness. <laughs> I won't mention any names, but nevertheless. Uh, currently, I'm one of the elders in the church, and every now and then, one of the men in the church uh, uh, churches gets to uh, give Pastor Scott a rest. So we're going we're gonna to do that this morning. This morning we're talking about some names of God and I have a quote just before we pray. Just before we pray, I want to read a, a quote from Merrill Unger. Words are the vehicle for the revelation of the thoughts and intents of the mind to others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, last week we learned and heard of the name Emmanuel, God with us, every day, everywhere, all the time. Lord, Lord that, that's so encouraging and so exciting to hear. Father, you are also named the Word. Please let us know this morning a little bit more about what that means. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm just going to mention, we, you can turn there if you like, to John 1, uh, if you like. I'm just going to mention a little bit from John 1, where it talks about the Word. In the beginning, it says, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When you begin to break down the term word in the Greek, logos, it means to communicate to speak, including the thoughts and intentions of the mind. So the idea here is that in the beginning, in the origins of the beginning, at the beginning of the beginning, it was God's intention to communicate to His creation. In the beginning was the Word. In the origins of the beginning was God's desire to communicate with his creation. In the beginning was God's intention and desire to reveal who he was, the truth and his plan for his creation, for humanity. It also says in John chapter 1, verse 14, that this Word, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We sing it at Christmas time. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. The one who would communicate to his creation is now in flesh appearing. We were driving back from Vancouver last weekend. I don't know if you've driven that road in a while. We went to the calgary Sycamus uh, route which is really ravaged by flames right now. But if you drive through Sycamus, there is a sign, a big billboard sign on the side of the road. And if I would have known I was going to speak and use it as an example, I would have taken a picture of it and put it up there. But there is a big billboard there, and it says on it, Jesus Christ died for your sins. Wonderful words. And as I drive by that, as I'm sure millions of people do every year, as you drive by it, you naturally just read that, Jesus Christ died for your sins. And I wonder, I just wonder how many people drive by that sign and they read it, but nothing happens, nothing clicks up here. They drive by it probably hundreds of times in a year, the the commuters that would drive by it. Does it click? Does it resonate? Is there truth to that? Of course there is. This morning I want to look at the Word, Jesus Christ, the messenger who has the message, who is the very message, the Word of God. So let's look at, uh, at John chapter 18. John chapter 18, you can turn there with me if you like. We're going to look uh, in this, at this passage of Scripture to a, a, a communication that the word, the messenger with the message, who is the message, has with a human being, not unlike myself. I identify with this character in scripture. We're going to talk about him for, for, for a little bit here. So John chapter 18. Now, before we, just before we read there, I just have to set it up a little bit. The word of God, the written word of God, Everything in scripture from Genesis to Revelation centers around Jesus Christ, the Word. It explains him from the beginning and shows him in the end. In fact, in Revelation 19.13, I believe it is, he is described as coming back in his magnificent glory. And on his thigh is written his name, the Word of God. That part of God that chooses to communicate with his creation, humanity. The messenger with the message, who is the very message. So inside these books of Scripture, there are four particular books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that are the account of this word, this word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, and dealing with people, dealing with people just like you and me. This morning I want to pinpoint one of them who reminds me of me a little bit. So let's turn to John chapter 18. John 18, we'll start at verse 28. And again, just before we start reading, what has happened is Jesus is at the end of the time of his ministry. The Pharisees have had enough of him. They have pinpointed him as one who is in complete uh, opposition to their teachings And it is their plan to execute him and get rid of him. But they can't do anything about it. So they are looking to this biblical character that we're going to talk about this morning named Pilate. Let's read John chapter 18, verse 28. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the place of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What are the charges you are bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own laws. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words of Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die would be fulfilled. We'll just stop there for a minute. So you see the idea here. Jesus has all night been in the chamber of the San, with the Sanhedrin. They have been saying, "Jesus, you have you have committed blasphemy. You have claimed to be the king of the Jews, you have claimed to be the son of God." Jesus says, "It is as you say it is." And they say, "That's it. That's enough. This is grounds for execution." So they take him, they can't do anything about it, so they take him to this man Pilate. Uh, Verse 31, Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law, but we have no right to execute anyone. Pilate then went back inside his palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him. Now you've got to picture this. This is the Word. This is the communicator. This is God's messenger. This is God in the flesh communicating and speaking to his creation. He is speaking to this person. Hebrews 1.1 says that God in times past spoke through the prophets to everybody, but in these last days has spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ. So picture this. Pilate standing before the messenger who has the message from God, who is the message. And he asks Jesus this question. Are you the son of God? Sorry, he doesn't say that. Are you the king of the Jews? I've thought about it many, many times, how he would ask that question. Are you the King of the Jews? Are you the King of the Jews? I've gone over this, how many different ways he can ask the question. But what he is saying is so much more than, are you the King of the Jews? And I believe every human being needs to ask this question. What Pilate is asking is, are you who they say you are? Are you who they claim you claim to be? Now let's put that in perspective. Remember me driving past this sign, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. We know that, we think that. But have we taken the time to ask God, ask Jesus, did you really die on the cross for my sins? Look at the question he's asking. Are you who they claim you claim you are? I know many, many people, you probably do too, who know Jesus as Emmanuel. They believe that he has come to earth, he is here all the time, he is with us. But have they, have we, have you taken the time to communicate, Lord, are you truly with me all the time? Are you really there? What you are doing is entering into the idea that, yes, Jesus is the word. He is the one who will communicate with me. He is the messenger who has the message, who is the very message himself. Are you, Jesus, the king of the Jews, says Pilate? Now, look what Jesus says here. 18, verse 34, Jesus is not afraid. He's not intimidated. He is about to be condemned to die. But he answers with this question. He gives a question back. Pilate, is that your idea? Or did others talk to you about me? Pilate, who is asking this question? Who wants to know if I am the king of the Jews? Is that your idea to ask? Or is this just something that you have heard said about me? This is amazing. Jesus is saying something similar back to Pilate as he said to Peter at one point. Who do people say that I am? And Peter says, some say you are a prophet, some say you're Elijah. And then Jesus says, but who do you say I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, blessed you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because it is the Spirit of God that has revealed this to you. Jesus is asking a similar question to Pilate, the man who would condemn him. Pilate, where do you want to go with this? He's communicating to a human being. Is this your idea or is this just something that you've heard about me? This is, in, this is an incredible uh, communication or relationship here, conversation that's happening. Pilate stands back and says, Wait a second, am I a Jew? Did I bring you in here? No, these people brought you in here to judge you. And I think he's scared a little bit. He's stepping back. I don't want to necessarily get deep with you, Jesus. But the opportunity by Jesus is given. And then Jesus begins to explain in verse 35. I'm sorry, verse 36. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world, if it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews, but now my kingdom is from another place." Pilate says, so you are a king then. Jesus says, you are right in saying that I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth Everyone who is on the side of truth listens to me. This is the word of God, communicating the truth of God, the intention of God to humanity, and he's doing it to the one who would condemn him. This is incredible. The word, the messenger with the message. Have you asked Jesus... And I'm sure most of us, if not all of us, has, but there might be somebody that hasn't actually asked the question. God, have you truly died on the cross for my sins? God, will you truly lead me through my life? Lord, can I truly live a spirit-filled life? Is that what you do have for me, Lord? Have we taken the time not only to see him and know him as Emmanuel, the one who has come, but to say, I'm going to go beyond that and ask him if I can have a relationship with him. Jesus is presenting this opportunity to Pilate. What does Pilate do he does something that most human beings do when we are confronted with something inside that convicts us hardly or, or, or convicts us terribly or, or really convicts us is what I'm trying to say. He steps back and he says, what is truth? And he leaves. Have you ever noticed that, that when you're in a, a debate or a discussion with somebody and, and it's getting deep and it's getting real and the word truth or love or hope or faith is mentioned? Well, what is faith anyway? Who's got a true definition of faith or love? What is love anyway? You, you, you get those words and you get somebody stepping back, not willing to continue the discussion. At this point, Pilate leaves. He storms out. Now, let's let's understand one thing truly, truthfully about Pilate. At this point, he can find nothing in his law to condemn Jesus to death. So he walks out and he says, basically, with him, he goes out to the people and he says, I find no basis for a charge against him. But then he gets an idea. Because once a year, he is allowed to release a prisoner to the people. And I'm sure in his mind, he thought, if I offer this murderer Barabbas, this one charge with insurrection, I'm sure they'll pick Jesus over Barabbas. So he says, I'll give you back Barabbas or this prisoner here. And I wonder if he didn't think that the people would yell, give us Jesus then, send that murderer to be executed. But they don't. They yell for Barabbas. They say, give us back Barabbas. And I believe that Pilate is a little bit of a mental quandary right now. Doesn't know what to do here. So he decides to have Jesus flogged. And then he he remembers that Herod is in town in the area at this time. Pilate was the governor of Judea in that area, and he was going to send him to Herod to see what Herod's opinion is. Now, we have to go to a different book to read this account, so we're going to go to Luke chapter 23 for a little bit. Luke 23, verse 8. So Jesus goes to Herod. He's, he's taken by the soldiers to Herod, and Herod says this. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased, because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some miraculous sign. He plied him with many questions. The communicator, the messenger from God, gave him no answer. The chief, sorry, he plied him with many questions. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed And mocked him. Several years ago, Pastor Scott preached a message on this evil man, Herod. This to me is one of the most frightening passages in Scripture. Jesus is standing before Herod, the Savior of the world, and he's not talking to you. So they send Jesus back to Pilate. It's at this time that there is another account in Matthew chapter 27, verse 19. I believe it's at this time. Remember, Pilate was woken up early in the morning, very early in the morning. He summoned out of his bed to come down to the palace and hear this story. Matthew 27, 19 says this. I believe that this was the time of this event. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. The reason I mention this is because I think putting the story together here, it would not surprise me if he was summoned out of bed early in the morning And he probably told his wife, oh, there's this man, Jesus, I've got to go down and talk about. And God may have instilled a dream in that woman's heart. I just find it interesting. So now, Pilate begins to get frightened. Because scripture says that he was, after this, even more frightened than he was. Let's go back to John chapter 18. We're we're into verse 19 now. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him and give us Barabbas. The Jews insisted, We have a law according to that law. We must, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. That's something new. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside the palace, and he stood before and Jesus stood before him again. And he said, I wish I knew the connotation of how he said it. Where do you come from? Where do you come from? Who are you? At this, Jesus said nothing. And I can see Pilate here getting more frustrated and more frustrated. And he says, don't you know that I have the power to free you or to crucify you? And Jesus says those famous words, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one that handed me over to you has created, has, has performed or done a greater sin. Scripture says in verse 12 here, at chapter 19, verse 12, from then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar's. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. Pilate has had the opportunity to talk to God. He's had the opportunity to say, Are you who they say you are? He has the opportunity to say, hold the proceedings. I want to investigate further the claims of the word. The messenger who has the message, who is the message himself. Pilate has that opportunity. Friends, as do we. We have so much more of an opportunity to communicate with God sometimes than we take. Maybe you have never communicated with God. Maybe you've driven by that sign many, many a time. Jesus Christ died for our sins. Maybe you've seen that sign a thousand times. Maybe you've been to church a thousand times and taken communion and given the money and listened to the message and got involved in groups but have never said, Jesus, are you the one who will lead me through life? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh, the communicator, the revealer, the talker, the messenger with the message, who is the very message. At this point, I'll call the worship team up. They can come up and just get ready to go. As we ask this question, as we deal with this question, have we taken the time to communicate? We know what the sign says, Jesus Christ died for our sins. But haven't we taken, have we taken the time to say, is that message Lord for me? Don't be surprised if God answers back and you feel something inside you say, are you serious? Are you serious? Is this something that you really want or is this just something that you have heard? Jesus Christ not only is his name Emmanuel, it is also the word, the communication, the communicator, the very message itself.